0: Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And this is The Biz, the Business Integrity School podcast. Here we talk about applying ethics, integrity and courageous leadership in business, education and most importantly, your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real-world experience as a senior executive, so if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Biz, and today I'm very excited to have with me Rob Chestnut, who's the former general counsel and chief ethics officer of Airbnb. Hi, Rob.
1: Cindy, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Rob has also just published a new book uh, recently entitled Intentional Integrity. And Inc Magazine has ranked that book as one of the top 10 new business books of 2020. Now for Rob, prior to his time at Airbnb, he had a number of other assignments, but he spent time at eBay in the early 2000s as SVP of trust and safety. And before that, Rob spent 10 years as an assistant US attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia, where he supervised the major crimes unit for four years. Rob's a graduate of Harvard Law School, and he received his BA from the University of Virginia. So, once again, Rob, thanks for being here today. We are excited to continue the conversation with you.
1: Great to be here. Always good to talk talk about integrity, and <laughs> uh, looking forward to the podcast.
0: That's great. So Rob, we are just starting um, season three of our podcast. And in season two, we talked to 15 different thought leaders about the future of business ethics. And those thought leaders were all in the realm of academia. And so, and they were from all over the world. And I was asking them essentially for their views on um, an Andy Starks article that was in the Harvard Business Review a little over 25 years ago. And it was titled, What's the Matter with Business Ethics? And at the time it was seen as too general and too theoretical and really too impractical to be of any use to um, you know up and coming business managers. <laughs> and in a lot of ways that may have been true about 25 years ago, but we've come so far since then. And so what I asked those thought leaders to do in season two was to share with me whether they thought that the criticisms that Andy Stark had um, still had any validity today talk about how far we had come, and really, most importantly, predict the future. Where did they think business ethics needed to go in the next 25 years? And so in season three, what we're doing is, again, talking to about 15 different thought leaders, but this time we're talking to business leaders to get their views on what the future of business ethics um, should look like and how academics can best prepare new business managers to enter that working world so that we don't have to worry anymore about what's the matter with business ethics. (laughs) So let me start by just asking you um, about both Airbnb and um, eBay, both of whom were very young companies when you joined them. And a lot of business ethics and integrity just, just comes down to culture. Sometimes it isn't so much what the code says it's what the culture is. So tell me a little bit about what the culture was like at, at both of those companies and, um, and whether or not and how you got integrity to be a part of that. Well,
1: you know, I, I think that Airbnb and eBay actually had a lot in common. And I was really fortunate to be part of those companies because I think both saw what they were doing uh, in, in broader than just uh, financial terms. I mean, you know, look, money and profit, are it, it's important, obviously, it's critical to doing business, but I think they each company sort of felt that there was something bigger going on, uh, you know, it, at both eBay and Airbnb, there was a strong sense that we were building a community, a global community, and connecting people uh, and, and providing real value to the world in terms of bringing the world closer together over shared passions. You know, and uh, and like with with eBay, of course, it was about bringing people together over, uh, you know, commerce. Uh, At at Airbnb, it was actually about literally bringing people together under the same roof. (laughs) Um, But uh, but I think both both companies uh, believed in this mantra that people are basically good. And that was actually what we talked about uh, explicitly at eBay. And what I think is at the heart of Airbnb: a, a fundamental faith uh, in human nature, uh, and a belief that with with the help of a platform, uh, we can we can encourage the best in people and really connect people uh, mm-hmm. over their over common interests. Mm-hmm.
0: And so many times when when people talk about business ethics or integrity. It's always a focus on the negative instead of the inspirational side of creating the right kind of culture and embedding integrity in a positive way and building it in, in and in a way of um, explaining to folks how it's it's really part of the if you do it right it's part of the strategy for a company going forward and believing in the good of people. There's always going to be a few bad apples, but if you focus on what's good and the in which you expect to see in terms of behaviors and people, oftentimes you can move move the move the dial quite a little bit, but. But when you're at a small company like eBay and Airbnb back in the day, (laughs) uh, how did you get folks to really focus some of their time and attention on this idea of integrity and make it central when so much about a young company is about product and getting it out the door on time and, you know, hitting, hitting kind of the financial milestones that, that too is a sea change, I think for a young company, isn't it?
1: It is. And look, that all those things are obviously really critical. But I think what it is, companies of all uh, of all size, but particularly when they're smaller, they've got to be very thoughtful about their North Star. Why do you exist? What is your mission? And I think you need to carefully formulate that. And, and put it on the wall. I mean, literally put it on the wall yeah. so that everyone is aligned around it and everyone understands that this is what drives us. Right. This is what drives the decisions we make. This is what drives the product. Right. And I, I, in other words, I think it has to be deeply embedded in everything that you do from the very beginning. And so therefore it's not, well, let's talk about purpose or integrity versus product. Right. It is they're inseparable. Yes. They they are. Yeah. Um. They they. It, it is literally a part of everything that you do. Yeah. Uh, and that 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 doesn't mean that you somehow sacrifice profit. It may mean that you make decisions that are that may sacrifice some short-term financial right. gain in order right. to build something for the long run that's consistent with your mission. Uh, you know, profit is critical and and a part of business, but profit isn't purpose. You don't build a company just to make money. Right. You should build a company to solve a problem and to do good in the world. And making a profit is a necessary part of that operation. Yeah, But it doesn't have yeah. to drive everything that you do.
0: Yeah. Listening to you, um, you uh, may have read, I don't know if recently, if you've read Ed Freeman's new book, The Power of And from the University of Virginia. But yeah, I mean, it's that is the sea change, I would say.
1: Well. Yeah, I went to the University of Virginia. And in fact, yeah. I was uh, just, Ed Freeman just interviewed me in a yeah. fireside chat for the <laughs> University of Virginia. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, yeah. of, of what Ed's been doing. I mean, Ed has been talking about stakeholders yes, he has. Uh, and arguing against this notion of shareholder uh, uh, shareholders for decades. Yes, he has. And it's really gratifying to see that the things that he's been talking about are finally being recognized. And now being institutionalized in companies like Airbnb.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I had the chance to visit with him recently, too, on his stakeholder podcast and uh, he had come to Walmart several years ago, and it's, it's really great to hear him uh, talk a fair amount about uh, the power oh. of and, which is something I know you and I would agree in. So one of the things you talked about in your book were these six C's, and you described them as kind of critical steps to fostering integrity in the workplace. So what do you think those six C's are, and why are they so critical? Well, the sixties are a very practical way
1: of, you know, answering the question, well, how do I drive integrity into my company's culture? And you know, they're, they're actually, the, they're, the first issue is you've got to get, you've got to get your North star, your purpose, right? Like why your company exists in the world. And then you turn your focus inside. And what practical steps can you do to get everyone in your company uh, operating in the same direction and operating with integrity in the way they treat each other. Because you can't have integrity in your mission and have no integrity inside your company or vice versa. There has to be consistency, right? So the six C's are just a practical roadmap. So the first C, for example, is you got to have a code of conduct. But the code of conduct, uh, not a code of conduct that uh, I think some companies think about. Um, I propose doing it a little differently. So often, Cindy, what happens with companies and their code is they pick up their the phone and they call their law firm and say, hey, we need a code of conduct. Right. You send one over to them, right? <laughs> or even worse, to save money. They just go online and they find somebody else's code of conduct and they copy it. Yeah. And then they put their own company's name at the top, right? Yeah. And then they email this thing out to everybody in the company. And they say, check a box certifying that you've read it and you will abide by it. Right. And then, thank goodness, look, we got 100% certification. Yeah. Success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in reality, you haven't accomplished anything but increasing cynicism yeah. in your company. Right. Like right. everybody knows we're just doing this to check a box. Right. Nobody's really reading this. thing, Right. We're just we're just doing this to make people happy and it doesn't mean anything. Right. So what, what I propose is that companies need to slow down for a moment uh, and actually come up with a code that is appropriate for their own company in their own company's language mm-hmm. in their own, with their own values reflecting the mission of a company. Now, this doesn't have to be a months-long project that takes uh you know, that distracts from getting a lot of the other work done but i think it is important to stop for a moment and reflect on how you want to operate as a company and how you want to treat each other because i think that what that's doing it's actually building a foundation and with that stronger foundation you can actually get a lot more done than in a world where everybody's racing around, making assumptions or not talking about integrity. That's right. Uh, And and I think having that conversation about integrity, what it means to you and what it means to the culture of your company is really important. And and I think lays the groundwork uh, for important works to come.
0: Yeah, it creates a touchstone, uh, right? Kind of a touchstone for everyone to refer back to in difficult times. And it's part of this,
1: Cindy, is the difference between compliance and integrity. Uh, The the first is an example of compliance. Well, yep, you've you've complied with the law as a public company. You've got your code of conduct. And yep, everybody's checked the box. Everybody in HR is happy. But you haven't touched people's hearts. You haven't really moved minds. And if you want to have a, a great company, I think you need to have a culture where people are bought into the idea and understand that integrity really is important. And if you're going to do that, you got to do more than check
0: a box. But you got to reach their hearts and changing people's behavior and reaching their hearts is is ultimately much harder than just explaining what the law would say in terms of complying, right? right.
1: That gets to the second C, which is you got to communicate what you've done, right? right? And so one thing that, you know, that we did at Airbnb, um, we actually had an orientation class called Integrity. Every employee worldwide went through a week-long series of classes, and we slowed down and took an hour to talk about it, what integrity meant at Airbnb, That's to great. talk about our code of ethics, but not in a legal sense. Uh, no, you know, Videos aren't effective here. Uh, sending a mid-level manager from HR into this isn't effective either. Mm-hmm. People need to hear from a leader. Yeah. When I was at eBay, for example, Meg Whitman used to come to every orientation week herself and talk to all the new employees. And people would say, Meg, you're the CEO of the company. Um, You don't have time for this. And Meg said, oh no. She said, talking to the new employees and making sure they hear directly from me what's important to me and what I want them to focus on, that's actually crucial to building the kind of culture that's going to make us successful. So at Airbnb, I taught the class as the general counsel. I taught the class on integrity myself. Uh, And I didn't give them any legal jargon we actually just took real life examples of things that actually happened at Airbnb mistakes that people made from an integrity perspective. Yeah. Integrity yep. dilemmas. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is when I first said that I wanted to teach the class, people looked at me and said, Rob, an hour on integrity from a lawyer, we don't want to drive people away. Uh, but I said, no, you know what? Um, I actually think this can be something that is inspiring to people. Yeah. And it turned out, you know, we do blind surveys at the end of the week. Yeah. And of the 25 classes, uh, the number one ranked class every week was the class on integrity. It even beat out the class on the history of Airbnb. Wow. It, it turns out, Cindy, that uh, people want more than a job. Now, everybody wants a paycheck and everybody wants to make money, but I think everybody wants to feel like they're doing good in the world. Hmm. They want to feel like they're working at a place that has values that align with their own. That's right. I used to have people come up to me after the class saying, Rob, I've never been in a company that actually talked about this. Yeah. You have no idea how it feels to work at a company where a leader is actually coming in and talking about these sorts of things. That makes me feel so good about where I work. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starved for this, frankly. They really want do. leaders to talk about this subject that too often I think is simply ignored and and is left in
0: silence. Right, but you hit on a really important point there. It's not just talk about it, it's talk about it in a practical way with real life examples of how to do it the right way and how to do it the wrong way so they can relate to it. Sometimes integrity is a topic that feels like it's not relatable, right? Um, So if you break it down to make it practical, you, 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 you rein them in a little bit and they can see themselves in those examples. Well, you know, I think so many
1: people when they show up at the class, they're thinking, oh, I don't really need to worry about this. I'm a good person. Right. And I'm not I'm not going to ever have to deal with this one of the situations. And right. as I explained to them, every as I say, everybody in this room is going to have an integrity moment yeah. at Airbnb. Yeah. And it, it may well be in their first six months. And it yeah. may be well, with alcohol. Yeah. It may be with a romantic relationship. Yeah. It may be a gift from a vendor. Yeah. Uh, it may be with a uh, pressure from a boss to yeah. do something that makes you uncomfortable, but everybody's going to have that moment. Yeah. The key is, are you ready? Are right. you ready to make the, to make the right decision when you're confronted with it? Because if you aren't, um, this is the sort of thing that can ruin your career and send our brand into a spiral. Yeah. I need everybody to be ready for this moment. That's right. And to be ready, I want to share with you some stories of people that weren't ready and let's talk about what went wrong. That gets people's attention because it brings it home in a very real way.
0: Yeah, because as you described it, it's one of the great myths out there is that people think, ah, that's not gonna affect me. I'm never gonna have to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is, these situations arise almost day in and day out in a company and people will be faced with them on almost a daily basis some larger than others but there's always going to be these situations where to your point I have to figure out is it a you know what, what what's the right thing to do and am I ready to deal with it first of all am I even going to recognize it as an integrity moment when it arises um, so that I know you know then oh this is something I actually need to deal with so
1: the small stuff matters and you know, part of the issue is that uh, silence is the enemy of integrity. So is ambiguity.
0: Yes. And if
1: nobody ever talks about these things, and no one ever really understands what to do, then everybody's kind of on their own to make their own decisions about things, what they think uh, is okay in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and that's where problems really occur. I, um, I spent some time with Dan Ariely when I was working on this book. Dan Ariely is a behavioral scientist at Duke University. Yes. And, and so uh, I used to think, I think it's part of my federal prosecutor background, Cindy. I used to think that uh, everybody, there were good people and bad people, right? There were the, most of us were good people. And then you have these people that don't have integrity. And maybe I'll ask an insightful interview question and weed uh-huh. them out, right? Uh-huh. Or they'll make a mistake and I'll get them out of the company. And that's how we'll deal with this. Dan Ariely uh, helped me uh, understand that I had it all wrong. Uh, Dan studies, he's a behavioral scientist that studies integrity, studies dishonesty. And what he taught me um, really comes uh, at base from an experiment. Let me explain what he did in this experiment. Fills a room up with people, hands out a sheet of math problems. And he says, I'm not going to give everybody enough time, but I want you to start, do as many math problems as you can until I say stop. And he does this, by the way, he's done this experiment over and over again, all over the world, tens of thousands of people. Oh, my All right, so the people are filling out the sheet. He says, stop. He then says, I want you to come up one by one. I want you to put your sheet with your math problems into this shredder at the front of the room. And then you can can leave. And as you leave, tell the proctor how many problems you did. And we're going to give you a dollar for every problem that you did. So people come up, they stick the paper in the shredder. They then walk over and they tell the proctor how many problems they did. They get their money and they leave. Uh-huh. What Dan doesn't tell them is that he modifies the shredder a little bit. The shredder <laughs> oh, only shreds the outer edge of the piece <laughs> of paper. So Dan knows exactly how many problems everybody did. Uh-huh. The question is, how many people lie when right. they go to the proctor and they say how many problems they did? Now, me, I would have guessed you know, 10%, right? The actual answer, 70% of people lie. Wow. 70%. Now, most do what Dan calls fudging. That is, they'll fudge by one or two or three problems, a little bit, you know, not too much. Right. And what Dan explained to me is that everyone, when they are confronted with an ethical decision, tends to want to do the thing that is in their own personal interest. That's a natural human tug toward doing it. On the other hand, they still have to feel good about themselves as human beings they still got to be able to feel like I'm a good person. Right. So the question is, what can they do and be able to rationalize to themselves, talk themselves into? So with the math problems, for example, it might be, oh, my pencil broke, or I saw some other people still doing another problem or two after the proctor finished. So I'm just evening it out.
0: Mm -hmm. Or might even
1: be like, yeah, I, I actually was making sure my problems were right. And I was checking it. So in reality, I did a few more or they're not paying me enough for this experiment. So <laughs> right. I'm going to add a couple. Right. really, That's um, the sort of rationalizations you get. Yeah, right. So what Dan explained to me then is everyone is tempted and everyone faces integrity issues all the time. And everyone is tempted to fudge. And what, what happens is organizations where people are really smart or really creative are even more vulnerable. Why? Because creative work environments, people who are creative are better at rationalizing things. They come up with more creative reasons why what they're about to do is actually totally fine. Right? So you end up working at a particular company that's got smart, creative people. Everybody wants to naturally fudge. And once you start fudging, the data shows you fudge a little bit more, Fudge a little bit more, fudge a little bit more. And pretty soon you're out there doing some things that you really should never have been doing, but you've managed to talk yourself into. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with this? How do you deal with this natural tendency toward fudging? Well, the answer is you have to create an environment where people feel like everyone around them is acting with integrity. So because everybody wants to feel good about themselves, They will, if they understand that integrity is valued, that others are acting with integrity, then they will feel like they need to do it too because they want to feel good about themselves like all those around them. Leaders play a critical role here, Cindy, because people watch what leaders do. Integrity is contagious in the sense, right? If leaders are acting with integrity and leaders are talking about why integrity is important, that actually lifts everyone up, makes it harder for people fudge, right? And encourages doing the right thing. On the other hand, if leaders are not acting with integrity, then people can say, oh, well, so-and-so is doing it, so yep. it must be okay. Right. Then that encourages that encourages bad behavior. Yep. So if you want to drive integrity into the culture of your company, you got to talk about it. Right. You've actually then got to follow up and have leaders do the right thing. Yeah. And I think that recognition then that Uh, this world where no one talks about it and it's all, let's
0: ignore process and let's just go on and assume everybody's good. That's what gets you in trouble. Yeah, it totally gets you in trouble. It's again, it's back to the silence and the ambiguity. So if leaders are talking about it, that's the the opposite of being silent. They are explicitly talking about it and then they have to follow through obviously with their own actions. And then both of those things create an environment of they're talking about it. So it's important here and they're showing that it's important with their actions. And then that kind of, creates this dynamic of, well, I want to fit in here, and that's the expectation, and takes away those kind of rationalizations. Makes perfect sense.
1: Let me give you an example of two leaders. Uh, I I like to say that leaders are the thermostat for integrity, not the thermometer. A thermometer takes the temperature of a room. A thermostat sets the temperature. Uh So a leader, by their words and actions, is actually setting an environment, creating an environment in which everyone needs to live, and Mm -hmm. everyone is impacted. So a CEO that stomps around and says, we have to hit this deadline no matter what, or we have to hit this number. You have to figure out a way to get it done. They're setting a thermostat in a direction that's not healthy because they are basically saying, if you got to cut a corner or two to do this, get it done. I don't right. care. Right? And that's where you ended up with problems like with Boeing, right. by hitting a deadline on yep. a plane, or Volkswagen by hitting an emissions number that wasn't hittable. Let's take the other CEO. This is an example um, Ben Horowitz told me. Every quarter when Ben Horowitz was a, a CEO, Ben Horowitz used to sit down with his CFO, with the numbers, physically had the numbers in their hands. They sat down physically next to each other. Ben would always look at his CFO and say, is there anything in these numbers that makes you uncomfortable? Anything in here that you were pressured to do Anything in here that's misleading, anything that makes you feel that might it, it might mislead others. Because Ben would say, our numbers, we might miss a number. Our stock might go down. I might even lose my job, but I'm not going to jail. So <laughs> by the very good. act of of talking to the CFO and sending that message, Ben was setting the thermostat in the in the right direction. That's right. He was sending the message that we're going to do this the right way. That's right. right. That's what it's about. That's what leadership's about. And that's what creating the environment of integrity is all about.
0: Yeah. So with that, let me just ask you then, what do you, if I had to ask you if, for three words to describe the future of business ethics and integrity, what would those three words be and why? Now I, I think um,
1: uh, infinite um, in that you need to have an infinite time horizon is a leader. You cannot be thinking about what's going to drive your stock price up today or tomorrow or what's going to be good for the company's numbers this year. If you're faced with a choice between doing what's right uh, for the long run of the company or what's going to bring up the stock price in the moment, you've got to be willing to take that infinite time, that infinite horizon, that infinite view of things. Um, I think number two is mission. Um You, you have to let your your mission guide you. Um, and your your mission is to be you know pr- profit is not purpose. You've got to have front and center why your company exists and make decisions based upon that. Yeah, I think I'll do the last one. I'll pick Ed Freeman's word and that's stakeholders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to identify all of your stakeholders and then measure how all of your stakeholders are doing. Mm-hmm. And if there are stakeholders that are struggling, you got to go back and examine um whether you're making decisions with integrity mm-hmm. right because if if the stakeholder that's winning is all the always the shareholders and your employees are hurt and your customers are hurt yeah. then you're probably not acting with
0: integrity yeah so
1: i'm going to go stakeholder mission and infinite
0: I like them. Those are great words and great things I think for the academics to keep in mind as they're training the future business leaders for the world that they're going to be entering is how to think about it. So those are those are great takeaways. Well,
1: I looked, I'm looking to the academics because I think the academics played a key role in creating this problem, to be honest with you. Um, when you go back and look at... Um, where does this notion of shareholder value come from? Well, right. well it comes from you know Milton Friedman and uh, another right. leading academic who came up with the ideas, right? Yeah. And I think this idea of uh, the shareholder theory has actually done more damage to integrity uh, in the world than anything else. Why? Yeah. Well, if what the shareholder value thinking did was it told leaders, only one thing matters, leaders. And that is your shareholders. You must always make a decision that's right for your shareholders. And it's frankly unethical for you to do anything but. Right. So let's yeah. think about that for a minute. Who's the shareholder? Well, often the leaders are the shareholders themselves. So when the stock price goes up, who benefits? The leaders. Right. So it, it, in essence, I think encouraged and justified very selfish thinking and very short-term thinking. Yes. Whatever gets the stock price up this week, I've got no choice. I have to do this. Yeah. I I uh, I don't like the fact that that we're we're putting all this carbon into the air, but to make a change would cost the company money and hurt shareholders and I can't hurt shareholders, right? right? So what we should have been doing was we should have been asking ourselves, hey, wait a minute. Why are shareholders king? Why are shareholders the only people that matter? Mm-hmm. Sure they should they should matter and their voices should be important, but shouldn't customers' voices be important too? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't employee voices be important? Shouldn't the communities that where these companies operate, shouldn't they be an important factor as well? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that um, what we need is we need academics to to step up and teach the new way of thinking, the share, the, the stakeholder way of thinking that I think now, at least in word, companies are now accepting and right. we now get need, need to evolve to a
0: place where in practice they are operating that way. That's right. Completely agree. Rob, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank yeah. you so very much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And um, we will talk again soon.
1: Great discussion. Thank you, Cindy.
0: All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. You can find us on YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. And you can find us by searching The Biz. That's one word, T-H-E-B-I-S, which stands for The Business Integrity School. Tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.